0: blog talk radio
1: Good morning, I'm Thank you for joining us. here the talk radio. We have more me. And do the activities reconnect to me now Mike something happened okay call back call, call, just call Call back here okay you guys it looked like something happened with the internet where I'm at and we're waiting on oh somebody's telling me too that they have no audio okay look like we're back on so thank you Will for letting me know what's going on log back on Will let me know if you can hear me let me have them log back on Oh, back on. Oh, no, he said, okay, I can hear you now. Okay, thank you, Will, for letting me know because for some reason the internet just shut off over here, shut off on my television as well as it kicked me off on the computer. So um, the Reverend is calling back in now, so let me log him back on. Good morning. How are you doing, Mike? Reverend
0: Mike? I'm doing okay. Hello? How are you? You know
1: what? Oh my God! I, I um, today's been an interesting day for me, and it's interesting when you were coming up with this topic today. But remember, I wanted to make sure I didn't make a mistake, so I didn't want to say heavenly, um, heavenly bound, but no earthly good, because today I would have been no earthly good to folks. So people have been getting on my last nerve, and it's like I know I got some more nerves left, but they tapping on every nerve that I got. But it's all good. So, how's
0: your day going today? I am doing good. And one thing I found in my walk with the Lord when you have something good, the enemy is always going to rise up and fight you.
1: Oh, man. And try
0: to create chaos and confusion.
1: I know. I know. And you know what? And and that's what kinda leads us to our topic today and I was trying to go on a Facebook that would let me go. You know, as I was trying to put the information out there with social media it kept, you know, slowing me down. Well today when we talk about heavenly minded but no earthly good looks. And I wanted to say that today's show is designed to discuss what Proverbs 31 means by being heavily minded and earthly good. Because you're supposed to be heavily minded and earthly good, but we're finding that many individuals are conflicted with that because they will either be too heavily minded with no earthly good. And my, we're going to be talking about that today, because what many are witnessing is that we're living in a time where many are conflicted as to what to believe, who to believe, sometimes based on their actions. And sometimes we get distracted where we should not be focused on external and spiritual things that we forget about today and the people around us. So let's talk about that a little bit. Cause you brought up this topic or you brought that word up on a subject when we had our, um, show last week. And I was like, Ooh, I like that. So let's talk about that a little bit.
0: Okay. First off, uh, Proverbs 31 is basically talking about the virtuous woman. And it's a child receiving instruction of how to find a virtuous woman. It's not so much as talking about uh, uh, heavenly minded and, and earthly, no earthly good. But I would like to look at starting in the book of Genesis, the fourth chapter the ninth verse. Uh-huh. And everybody remembers the story of Cain and Abel, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It says, then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? You think God didn't know? And then Uh he answered. He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? God is still asking us the same question. Where is your neighbor? Where is your brother? And we're still saying the same thing. Am I my brother's keeper? In James, the second chapter, verses 15 and 16, check this out. It Mm -hmm. says, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily bread, Mm -hmm. and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Mm Mm-hmm. I have seen people on their way to church saying somebody in need or, or, or seeing a situation that needs to be taken care of because they are quote-unquote believers, and they're all right, but i got to get in church. Get out of my way. <laughs> this is a true story. This is a true oh, yeah. story. This pastor uh, uh, had just been appointed to this new church. And the only one that had actually seen him physically was two deacons. So this pastor had on a nice white T-shirt, blue jeans, tennis shoes. Wasn't grouchy enough, just clean, but just plain. And he sat in front of the church. <laughs> Some people would give him a head nod. Some people walked away not to get too close to him. But mostly he was ignored. And you can tell by the expression on people's faces that they didn't take too kindly that this man was standing in front of the church. And so as church services are beginning, the man came in and and sat down in the back of the church. And the people that was on the road where he sat down, they kind of moved to the side and got away from him. So as the church services began, you know, they prayed, they saw the music. So the deacon got up and said, I'm very excited today to introduce you guys to our new pastor. Pastor so, would you please come up? The same man that was in that white T-shirt, those blue jeans and those tennis shoes, got up and walked to the front. And as each row he passed, you can see the people's heads begin to drop and begin to hide. And walked up to the front and introduced themselves. And he said that he was led to see what type of congregation that the Lord was sending them to. He didn't put them down and chastise them verbally like he had every right to. But his basic message was never judge a book by his couple. Because sometimes you will be entertaining angels unaware. And a lot of times, because we are quote-unquote Christians, a lot of times uh, because we say we are the chosen ones, we think we are beneath from getting down on our knees, rolling up our sleeves, getting down there in the muck and the mire, helping those who are less fortunate. Now, I myself work downtown L.A. holding church services at Union Rescue Mission. And after a church service one day, a brother came up to welcome me, and he said, Minister Mike, he says, I really enjoy your message today. And I'm not saying this a brag on me or whatever. He said, but you talk to us and not at us. And then he went on to say, not all of us down here are drug addicts and alcoholics. He says I had a job making fifty or sixty thousand dollars a year, and he said when I lost my job, he said I couldn't find another because I was overqualified or underqualified, and I had a hard time finding employment. But he said uh, a young Christian. Brother, and this was, I think, either a Japanese or Korean Christian that came and ministered to him, where he was able to uh, find residence at Union Rescue Mission, and he just began to rebuild his life that had been shattered. We have so many people who name the name of Jesus that are so heartless and so thoughtless, I'm going to tell you, Jeanette, the most meanest people I ever met in the world were church folks. And I don't understand because we have everything to be happy about. We have everything to look forward to. And I just don't understand. all the years I've been in ministry, I still run into people like that. You know, you look at him in the face, looks like you would been sucking on a lemon or something. You know, why are you frowning up so much? Got wrinkles in the forehead. There's a story over Luke's chapter. Do you remember the story about the Good Samaritan? Hello. Hello Hello Uh-oh.
1: It looked like you are reconnecting me. I had to find another way to log on. Will, thank you for letting me know. I see you're texting me. Mike is calling back in, so it's oh my Jesus. Okay, you know what, Mike? I don't know what's going on today, but we both getting kicked off. I got I kicked off two or three times, so I just have to. Well, the I side saw it all. You are know a threat
0: to the enemy. He is going to rise up and fight you. For some reason, he doesn't want this message to get out today. He doesn't want this talk show to get out today. I wonder why.
1: I can't even put it on Facebook. I've been trying to um, do the video and put the Facebook post out. It, it's still doing that. It's still streaming that. You're absolutely right, but you know what? The devil is a liar, so we are good. And I was indicating earlier where the Proverbs 31, and I know the Proverbs 31 is about a virtuous woman. However, there is a um, an organization and this organization is actually called Proverbs51.org, and they did a devotion called Heavenly Minded and Earthly Good. So that was where I got that information from. So oh, okay. So shared, I shared that because they did a whole devotion as it talked about that. So that was a very interesting read. Now, finish what you're saying because I like where you were going with that because a lot of times we do get into situations where individuals get so Um, heavily minded so they forget about other people and you know my pastor used to say when we would go to church if you see somebody walking to church give them a ride a car should not be with a big old car with just one person and Sometimes individuals get caught up in that because people look at what church people do, They people don't care. But keep educating the individuals, Like because we're back online now. People can hear us now. So the devil did not win this battle. So let's see if they try to kick us off again. So what was, was the last thing you heard me say? I don't even remember because I was so frustrated with trying to log back on myself subject, the book got kicked off. <laughs>
0: Okay, did you hear me when I uh, spoke about James, the second chapter?
1: You started that, but you were talking about the pastor and the pastor being dressed in the church, and that's where I heard. that. Then I got kicked off.
0: Okay, well, let's let's start back with that. Okay. James, the book of James, the second chapter. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, by the way. The book of, of James, second chapter, verses 15 and 16, it says, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? You see somebody in need, Oh, God bless you, brother, and, and, and may the peace of God be on you. And you see the position that they are in suffering. And so in Luke, the 10th chapter, it gives us a snapshot of what that means, and everybody probably remembers the, good, the story about the Good Samaritan, and it starts mm-hmm. off, then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead, they did a number on this guy, took all his clothes off where he was butt naked, beat him up so bad that he was wounded and left him for dead. Verse 31, Mm -hmm. now by chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. Mm. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, at least he came over there and he looked. Mm -hmm. and passed on the other side, verse 33. Mm -hmm. A certain Samaritan, now Samaritans were supposed to be like old dirty, no-good dogs back in those days. Mm -hmm. A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, talking to a man that was beat up, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, bandaged him, his wounds pouring oil and wine, and he set him on his own animals, brought him to an inn, and took care mm-hmm. of him. And mm-hmm. on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him. And whatever more you men need to spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Verse 36. So which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he yeah. said... He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. So Jesus mm-hmm. tells us the story. Then he tell us to go and be like the Samaritan. Because see, mm-hmm. you can't judge a book by its cover. You see people that wear the biggest crosses, the biggest hat, drive the biggest cars, wearing the finest clothes, come into church, and they're living their life like the devil themselves. Yep. My pastor was sharing with me where he knew this man of God. He can preach up a storm. He could preach the roof off the church. But he was a wife-beater, and he abused his wife and his children. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we get caught up in all the glitz and the glamour of ministry, but we forget what ministry should be all about. Wow. Do you, you know, know that, I can... that, that the church advocated their position of taking care of the widows and the orphans? That's why we have a welfare system in this country today. Mm-hmm. It was the church's job to take care of the destitute. It was the church's job to take care of the widows and the orphans who had nothing. That's why we collect tithes and offerings, not to build these 20 and $30 million edifices,
1: Mm-hmm. Only 10, 15, 20,000
0: people
1: at a time. One of the things that I'm looking at, and it talked about, and I just Googled it, and it said, what does it mean to be heavenly minded and no earthly good? Because we're supposed to learn how to be earthly good. And what it indicated is that she believed that since the world is going to hell in a handbasket, it doesn't do any good to do any good, meaning she was heavenly-minded but no earthly good. To be heavenly-minded means to live in such a way that we're going or we're pointing to what God is doing, going to do when it comes to earth and make all things new. But the problem is, like you said, is sometimes individuals can be too heavenly-minded and be of no earthly good, meaning because a lot of us, even though we've heard the most, you know, heard it and the person should not be so heavenly minded That they're no earthly good And they understand The intent is this warning Of what the warning is to be Because we have to warn individuals That just because you're trying To be Christ-like That don't mean you're Christ That don't mean you got To treat people differently That don't mean you got To abuse individuals And like you said I remember when they used To take care of the, um, the the mothers Of the church And the widows And things of that nature And that's what it was Supposed to be for But people have forgotten Because today people have forgot About the people That are around them now, the Bible never warns God people about being too heavenly minded, given the state of the modern Christianity, which is what you're basically explaining. But what do you think, and why do you think it changed? What do you think happened, Mike? Because I feel like that's what's deterring a lot of individuals from the church today. Uh, you want to know the truth? I'm asking you, what do you think? I mean, it's your opinion, but what do you think?
0: It's called hypocrisy. Uh-huh. Good old-fashioned hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus made a statement. He says, get the telephone pole out of your own eye before you try mm-hmm. to get a splinter out of somebody else's eye. We're mm-hmm. always, like the Pharisees described in the Sadducees, I, 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 you know, I, I can just imagine how Jesus felt. And only Jesus could have did this, because I would have been sick and tired of them following me around all the time, waiting to catch me, sniffing and waiting to catch me, messing up. I would have turned around and hit him with a lightning bolt or something. Every time you turn around, ah, I, see you, I see you hanging around them prostitutes and, and those derelicts and all those derelict, people. And Jesus said, the sick is the one that has a need of a physician. He never forgot his compassion and love for the people who are downtrodden. You know, Martin Luther King had that attitude. Mahatma Gandhi had that attitude. Mother Teresa had that Mm. attitude. About fighting for those who couldn't fight for themselves. Now, I'm not going to brag on you and give you the big head, because your head is big enough, but I've seen you time and time again fight for those who could not fight for themselves. Treat people better than they they felt they should have been treated. You know, when, when we first got together and started working together, Orange County did right that you was had, you know, uh, graduating these people and they were breaking free from drugs and alcohol and walking away from beating their wives and stuff. They didn't like that because they could no longer make money off of them. So what did they do? They came and they started to attack. And I'm saying all that to say this. When you're standing up for righteousness, when you're standing up for God, be expected to be attacked. And you're going to continue to be attacked till you want to give up. But I'm telling you, stay tenacious, stay true, dig in, and fight. Because, you know, the battle's already been won. You know, it says that to do good, to know to do good and don't do it to you is sin. He says, we are in the world, but don't be of the world. I just Mm -hmm. got off the phone with my son just a few minutes ago before I called in. And he said, Dad, i would gotten off the track and I got distracted looking at all of these things that are going on. And and, and as long as you have said in the world, you're always going to have things that's going on. I've been telling people from day one, you know, since this election, all this kind of stuff, you can't not uh, 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 legislate morality. Yeah, right, we got true. to take this to the cross. You can't legislate morality because sin is in the world. Not until the man of sin is taken away that that we're going to be sin free. Mhm. And so we got people in the church that are walking in hypocrisy. Yeah. Well, and you you know, and I've met some people. Well, I got mine. They got to get theirs just like I got oh, mine.
1: My and, and you know what? And, that and is that's
0: a that's selfish it. attitude, isn't
1: that it? Is. Yes, it is. And I know you yes.
0: met
1: people like that. Mhm. Mhm. And you know, and then sometimes you try to kind of wonder where is that coming from? You know, where is that coming from? I got to get mine. You and, and I, they don't not worried about anybody else because that is a mindset. And mm-hmm. it also goes what the Bible says about mindset, and in the case it says Jesus said unto him, "If you can believe, all things are possible." To 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 them that believe, and that's in Mark nine twenty three, and it's time to change our mindset and renew your thoughts and ways of thinking, and that's one of the biggest problems that most individuals have. They get so stuck in their ways. And you brought up the election, and it was interesting, and I thought about this because now we got this thing where they were talking about Lindsey Graham. Now Lindsey Graham got elected, but now he's but in trouble because they, he made a phone call to Georgia to to say something about getting rid of some election, or getting rid of some of the votes. And he's not denying that he called the man, but he denying what the man said he said. But the problem is, what's the good in that? So my question then became, okay, hey, so if you want to get some of the rid of some of the ballots in Georgia, what about some of them other ballots with Trump wants? Are we going to get rid of some of them, too? Are we going to start counting by hand over there? So it's okay is those bellies get caught that make you win, but it's not okay if the ballots don't go in the face. And I'm like, what makes people think that they can even get away with something like that?
0: You know you know what's funny? Because uh, it's almost like you're listening to my conversation with my son. And what he doesn't understand, and what a lot of people don't understand, how come these people can see how evil, Men, oh, how come They can't see it. How can they continue to be deceived? But once again, you know, I always talk about it. When you look over at Matthew the twenty fourth chapter, it reads like a newspaper. Where people will be loved into believing lies. Because, you know, when Jesus left you, I put it this way. He said, I'm gonna leave you a comforter comforter who will guide you into all truth and all understanding. So if you're a child of darkness, you're going to stumble and you're going to fall and you're going to continue to bump and bruise your head, but you're never going to learn. One of the things I've learned during the last four years is that, I don't want to get too far off the subject, but racism is so intricate and intertwined in this country. And it's going to take a lot more love, a lot more praying, a lot more standing by the body of Christ. I remember Dick Gregory, when I spent time with him in college, he said, you know that church is still the most segregated institution in America on Sunday? And I never thought about that. And then I began to look around, and you know he was right. He was absolutely right. Had a young man I was mentoring, This is about two or three years ago. And we were talking about how the body of Christ needs to operate as one. So he went down to Louisiana for something. He he went to an all Caucasian church. He felt like he was not welcome at all. And he said. I'm sorry for laughing. I'm Uh, sorry for laughing,
1: Mike. I'm
0: sorry for laughing,
1: but I got kicked off. I'm just coming back.
0: I don't know what you said. <laughs> I got kicked off again. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I guess they don't like what he hand. That's all right. But anyway, he was like, <laughs> he, said, he said, Pastor Mike, the preacher was teaching the word. The word was good. But he said, I didn't see no love in the place. Mm-hmm. Then the following Sunday, he went to a big congregation. They welcome him, they, they sat at him, and they just talked with him uh, after service, and he felt so much love. And so I broke mm-hmm. it down to him. Because, you know, when you're operating in the flesh, those things still lay at the heart or, the, or, or at the door uh, of your heart. And Hebrews mm-hmm. 13, uh, 1, it says, let brotherly love continue. Do not forget mm-hmm. to entertain strangers for once I do some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember That's the prisoners crazy. that they've chained with them. Those who are mistreated, yes. since you yourselves are also in the body. That's
1: true.
0: You know, uh, you, know just, you know, when persons, people go to prison, they're forgotten about. Mm-hmm. People that are in the hospitals, they're forgotten about. Oh yeah. And, and, and yeah. it's kind of funny because. You know, uh, when I was teaching the drug class, you know, we dealt with a lot of guys that were coming out of prison on parole or probation. And as soon as they got out of jail, look what happened. All the old homies was coming around. And I would ask them a question. I said, when you were locked down, did they put any money on your books? Like, no. Did they come and visit you? No. Then I said, when you tell them to go, to you know where, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. Because when you That's was in it. Dire Straits, nobody wanted nothing to do with you. Even some of the church folks who was in the family. Mm-hmm. And you know how some church folks treat the black sheep of the family. <laughs> church
1: going wow. folks. So, so, true. so, so a lot of times sure. we need to
0: do what I call a spiritual check. And, and and see where your heart truly is. Mm-hmm. Now now now. And talking about helping the poor and, and showing love and, and doing the work of God, He also tells us to be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. Now I've always taught my son to give. And we were this was he like fourteen or fifteen years old, and uh, I told him to pump my gas. I went in there and paid for the gas, and so he's up there popping it, and I saw this crackhead walking away from him. So I'm like, where did he walk? He said, well, oh, Dad, he was hungry, and and all I had was $3, so I gave it to him. And I'm like, you did the wrong thing. And he looked at me perplexed, because I've always shared with Some him gear. about giving. And, mm-hmm. and so I said, he's going to use that money for drugs. And so I broke it down, mm-hmm. and I explained to him. I said, what if God designated that money to go to a woman that needs to get a gallon of milk or a loaf of bread. I said, Satan came and sifted it away from you. So now it can't go where it needs okay. to go. So I was tough, you know, share with him about being led by the Spirit and not allowing certain things. Because you know, uh, uh, and you probably heard me in my group, uh, an addict is one of the most intelligent people in the face of this earth. I can't figure out how to come up with three or $400 a day. Mm. Mm-hmm. I can't do it, and they do it legally, but they could. They're the greatest psychologists in the world. They can read you just in a second
1: mm-hmm. and get what
0: they want and be on their way. And so mm-hmm. we also have to watch, you know, when Jesus was talking about the sword and the sea, The enemy will come and siphon off your resources so you can't give it to the person that needs to get to. That's why okay. we have to be led of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, go ahead.
1: I wanted to talk about, and they talk about the four benefits of being heavenly minded. And this is coming from crosswalks.com. And one of the things that they talk about is if our belief, our brief time on earth is only covered, and because we always talk about how life is short and eternity is long. And one of the things the famous is Randy Alcorn, and he asks individuals to take a piece of paper, a white paper, and place a dot in the center and then draw a line from the dot to the edge of the case and what he was doing was he was trying to show them an illustration when we start talking about the line and Christians think beyond the dots of the line to the eternity that awaits us. But when we start talking about that, some individuals think that it's foolish when we start talking about external existence and we, we try to live we try to live a life, we try to do right, we try to do the right thing no matter what. But one of the things that he talked about was the first one was focusing on heaven reminds us of the reality of our earthly life. Now, when you say we're in the world, but we're not of the world, and when we start focusing on heaven and being heaven-minded, what would you tell a non-believer and get them to have a better understanding of what that means?
0: Okay, one of the things that we have to acknowledge is our Creator. A okay. person that don't know the Lord, they don't understand that that we were created from God, you know, uh it talks about we were all created from one blood and if we all created from one blood, that means that we're all family. Now if my house mm-hmm. is black, yours is white and, and this one's brown, yellow, whatever, we are still brothers only if we serve the same God. That's what makes us brothers and sisters. Now, if you are a non believer, then God says you are an enemy of his. So how do you make your enemy a brother? By sharing mm-hmm. the love of God to them. And so, mm-hmm. you know, scientifically, you know, you have obstacles, especially with kids in college. Uh, one of the greatest apologists was Robbie Zacharias. He would go to the college campuses and allow them to ask them any type of questions. And he was able to answer those questions Uh that they had, because you have a lot Mm -hmm. of secular unionism that's that's taught and uh, science that that tries to refugiate creation and all of these type of things that you have to go through. But one of the things I like what a preacher said a long time ago, he said, God created us with a hole in our heart that only he could fill. There's always a thirst and a hunger, and you always feel like something is missing, but you can't Mm -hmm. quite put your hand on it. Uh, I'm trying to remember this boxer. What's that boxer that never lost a fight? Was it Floyd Mayweather?
1: I think Floyd Mayweather did lose a fight, but Floyd Mayweather had a real, real, real interesting attitude. But when um, I mean, you bring up Floyd anyway, Mayweather. Anyway, I, I think I he's the he's one,
0: one. Uh, uh, I don't think he lost a fight, but they asked him because I think he had won him $100 million or whatever. You he sure, said, you man. Sure he lose, uh,
1: you sure he didn't lose to Acre de La Jolla? Weren't they in the same. Um, Belt, uh, I, weight I, I, belt.
0: I'm not sure. I'm not really a, a follower of the fighting. But I'm just using that as an example. Because after he won this $100 million after fighting uh, Pacquiao, uh, uh-huh. they said, well, man, you just won $100 million and this and that. He said, you know what, man? He said, I got all the money in the world. I can buy anything, do anything. He said, it really doesn't mean anything anymore. I, mean, I looked at uh, 60 Minutes when they went to uh, Michael Jackson's old warehouse. He had a couple of Rolls Royces and Emmys and Oscars and stuff that was in there collecting dust. And Mm -hmm. you see all these people that sell their souls and everything to obtain all these things. But when they get it, it doesn't mean anything to them anymore Mm -hmm. because it has no eternal value. And so one of the things when you're, I'm I'm getting, I'm getting to the the answer. One of the things, you know, when we began to share the love of Christ, to people we have to understand that we're just here for a little while
1: we're not here Mm -hmm. by
0: accident we're not here by the big bang theory and we're not here by evolution and all these other things that come about we are here because god placed us here so we can love him like he loves us and so he always tells us don't don't wait where uh don't uh uh try to plan what you're going to say to people because each person is an individual and God will give you exactly what you need to say to the person that you're talking to because uh, when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I accepted him because I didn't want to go to hell. Mm-hmm. And then I fell in love with him. Some people mm-hmm. fell in love with him and accepted him. So we all mm-hmm. have different reasons why why we get there and then we have to learn about him. And that's through studying right. and praying and, and being taught and all those type of things. But you have to be loving. You have to be able to answer their questions. You have to be able to be a walking, talking example and a representation of the kingdom of God because it doesn't really that matter what you tell people. They watch what you do. I had a client, I was working at a residential treatment center one time. And this was an 18-month program. This guy watched me for one year. He knew I was a Christian, but I was an activity director. So I in a pretty tight ship, you know, being ex-military. And one day he knocked on my door. He said, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, come on in. And then he let me know. I've been watching you. I want to know this Jesus that you know. And I let him, you know, to to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. You know, we can say a whole lot, but people watch you. Mm-hmm. You know, people watch the people that go in and out to church and how they feel. You know, when people are getting out of church and they're wearing them big old church hats and nice suits and stuff, going into the restaurants and uh, going to the supermarkets after church. I was in a restaurant one Sunday after church, and these church folks came in. And Jeanette, they treated this waitress so Bad. So, so, you tell they just got out of church. And, and, you know, she was Latino and these, these were black folks, you know, I I hate to say my folks and they treated her so bad and I felt bad for her. And so, uh, when she came over to me, I could see how she was dejected and so I just began to share with her and I said, not everybody that claims to know the Lord, acts that way. And I just began to share with her, and she had tears that was dropping from her eyes, and she just began to open up. Her husband had just left her, leaving her with three kids. Two days prior to that, her car got T-boned. She had no car. She had to get to work on that job by the bus. And she was dependent upon friends and families for the past two or three days, she was at her with hand, but she had to sit there and take that verbal abuse because mm-hmm. she had to feed her kids. And she was like, I no, don't we- know why I'm just opening up and talking to you. And she was in the middle of her shift in the restaurant, and she was steady wiping her eyes and stuff just sharing. Mm-hmm. And so no, I pulled have- out uh, mm-hmm. a little bit of money, and I said, how much do you want? And she kind of looked at me she said, huh? I said, how much you want? I said, you want this, that, and the other, or you want all of it? She thought it was a trick question. So she said, well, I want all of it. And so I gave it all to her. It probably might have been forty, fifty dollars or 50 bucks or whatever. That doesn't matter. But you never know where a person, I'm saying all i is, you never know what a person is in their life, and she had just been devastated by what life has thrown at her. And if these people would have been sensitive and walking in the love of God, she wouldn't have been treated that way. There are practical things that we can can do to show the love of God. If you have an elderly neighbor and you see they need to take their trash cans out, that shows love. If you know somebody that's on a fixed income, get them a loaf of bread. You know, get them a gallon of milk or something like that. That shows the love of God. You know, make a phone call that's two or three minutes. Well, I'm just calling to check on you say, I love you. I forgot the uh, elderly lady that used to call on and check on all the time. And so, once again, I'm not bragging on you, but I've seen you. Have you shown the love of God? You're not a Bible scholar. You're not a theologian or whatever, but you have shown the love of God. By the way you walk and the, and the type of people that you work with In your life And I, I, I'll I, take a minute and I'll say I commend you You don't get too many from me But I will have to commend you on that About yourself You won't
1: even let me talk You say what? You won't even let me talk, even, let me talk. <laughs> Now We got 16 minutes left on the show And there were four different things That I wanted to go through Because when we start talking about heavenly-minded, but no earthly good. And the second one talks about focusing on heaven prepares us for certain judgment, because we know everybody is not going to heaven. And we know that that's a popular song. And I remember my father talking about, he said, I don't want to go to heaven. And I said, why? He said, ain't none of my friends going to be there. So when we start talking about heaven being heavenly-minded, we know that everyone is not. But when we start talking about that, the Lord, the Lord urges people to enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide. And the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. But the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who will find it. And that is in Matthew seven thirteen through fourteen. Now when we start mm-hmm. talking about that. A lot of times, there are people that have went astray, and each of us will have our own. Uh, you know, uh, I remember Keith used to always say, "You go answer to somebody." But the one thing is that we can repent. And, you know, when you know you're doing something wrong or you know, you know, like you said, a lot of times, I think that's what turns a lot of people away from some individuals is because they put up a big old front and then you act like they're going straight to heaven, but you miss people. So we know that it does prepare for a certain judge- judgment. Also, focusing on heaven motivates us to live Pure life. It doesn't say perfect life, but to live a pure life. And that's something else because, you know, when we start talking about, Timothy, the, there's a day coming where every Christian's clothing are actually placed under a, the glare of God's judgment and will reveal any imperfections. So we've we got to be mindful of that. And the fourth one is talks about focusing on heaven, places suffering in perspective. Now, that one is huge, Mike, because one of the questions most frequently asked is why did God allow, and whatever it is, and some we've about experience, why did God allow? Meaning, why did God allow certain things to happen? I had a person tell me oh. one time that they would say to God because God took their grandmother, but their grandmother was 90 something years old. And I had to talk to this person because this would give them a different perspective because they're going to live the full life. You know, so sometimes we get to that point where we start questioning these things, but when we focus on heaven, place, and suffering in perspective, we have a different perspective of things. So we're not saying, because we're talking about, you know, why do we question God? But can you let the listeners know your perspective in regards to focusing on heaven, place, and suffering in perspective?
0: Okay, so, so what's the question again? I'm sorry.
1: The statement reads, focusing on heaven places suffering in perspective. It says one of the questions that most individuals or most pastors frequently ask is why did God allow? People even say, why oh, did okay. God allow Trump to die? Why did God allow COVID? Why did God allow Trump to be president? Why did God allow... You know, we start quite asking these questions and some of horrific experience in their life to happen. God never completely answers the why question when it comes to suffering. However, he has given us the promise of heaven to put suffering in perspective. And even the Apostle Paul, who was well acquainted with suffering, he had some insight into that too. So that's one of the questions that a lot of us it-
0: well uh first thing is god has created us with free will there's only one thing that god cannot do and that's to violate our will because he created us to make good choices or bad choices i mean you go back to the garden of eden he says you can eat everything in the garden except for this they had a choice they had free will. Okay, you know, uh, I remember they had a book out, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? And that's because people. of free will. I mean, if God is sovereign and God is powerful, why did they have a 9-11? Why did they have a Adolf Hitler? Why did they have, mm-hmm. you know, these, these these shootings and stuff? Because we have free will. And God cannot violate our will. And, and, yes, things will happen, but for the believer, me and my son had a conversation about that, you know, in nine eleven. Over 3,000 people died. Do you think some of them were Christian? I think so. Mm-hmm. The people that were in the mm-hmm. place, do you think some of them were Christian? I think so. And because of man's, you know, uh, free will to do what he wants, we're always going to have these things. Why mm-hmm. things happen. I don't know. All I can do is point to, to, to uh sin and uh consequences of sin for mankind. That's that's the only thing I can truly answer. But because mm-hmm. we have free will, these things are gonna happen. You know, uh we were talking about the uh, kids that got killed in Columbine. And when the guy put the rifle to Rachel's hand and said, Do you do you believe in Jesus? She noticed she said yes it was gonna happen. She said yes anyway. When you are convinced, when you are assured that when you take your last breath, you're going to see Jesus, it really doesn't matter what they can do to the body. It really doesn't matter how long or how short your life is.
1: Because we Mm -hmm.
0: stand on the promises of God that one day we're going to see him. When we take our last breath and we close our eyes, we have the assurance that we're going to be with him forever, because that's what the Word says. Now, what mm-hmm. makes us believe the Word? I mean, I mean, scientifically, they have this book called The uh, Intelligent Design, where the greatest thinkers, uh, the guy, uh, well, let's see, what's his name? Albert Einstein, Sir Isaac Newton, all of these great thinkers of the day, they set out to disprove there was God, and they ended up proving that there had to be an intelligent, uh, being to design all that we have we we look mm-hmm. at all the things that are around us and why is this person this way and that way you know hatred is not something that's inherited hatred is something that is taught you know when we see greed and we see murders and we see all of these things these are things that people pick up along the way mm-hmm. you, know, how, you know they form, form their lives now we have to mm-hmm. make a decision now you know me and you had private conversations on how you grew up, what you went through, and what you saw. And if people knew your story, they were like, "Wow, I'd have never thought you'd have turned out like this." Mhm. You know, so we we have to make that You still rough around the edges and stuff, but you have such you a know. love of God <laughs> in your heart. And, and, and oh yeah, you know, yeah, I'm gonna tell the truth. But you have such a love of of, of God in your heart. And that people can see it. And you're not afraid to confront people. You're not afraid to give a person a hug or whatever. They need a kick in the swift, kick in the ear, You know, you have to do that too. But it's how much you love them. You know, and you work with a population of people that, that are very difficult to work with who are loveless, don't deserve to be loved. far as society is concerned that throw away people. As society is concerned, we're supposed to love the unlovable. We're supposed to bind up the ones that have been chained and shackled, you know, the drugs and alcoholism and and they came up in broken homes and all those type of things. These are the people that we are here for. I
1: have a question though. Can a person, and let's talk about being too heavenly minded, because we want to be heavenly minded but earthly good. And you talked about ways that we can do that. But let's talk a little bit about when we see people that are just too heavenly-minded, when they just take it to, to a whole nother level.
0: Mm, okay. A person that's too heavenly-minded.
1: It's too heavenly-minded because we get individuals. There are some individuals that are out there because I just, you know, looked it up and they talked about that how individuals can say, don't be so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good. And at the time, they, you know, thought their head was in a cloud or thought that they were over-spiritualizing, and that became a topic of discussion because sometimes you see people are teachers. So where they can just be too heavenly-minded, because that's when you're talking about what a person being heavenly-minded but no earthly good, where you were talking about they're on this path, but they're not helping the people. But then, what about just being too heavenly minded, curious within itself? What does that actually mean? You know, because well, the best example,
0: that, yeah, the, yeah, I'm sorry, the best no, example no. we have is the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees. They were mm-hmm. always quoting the letter of the law. Uh, they brought a prostitute. To Jesus, and said, This woman was caught in adultery. Matter of fact, in the very acts, the law says she should be stoned. Sticking to the letter of the law. Jesus heard what he said. He knelt down and began to write in the ground. A lot of people have their have theories about what Jesus was writing on the ground. I think Jesus was writing down some of the sins that they committed. <laughs> and then he said, Those who were without sin, cast the first stone. And it's funny Mm how it started with the older guy left first. Then one by one they left. And we also find Mm -hmm. it strange that they never brought the man before Jesus. And you got a lot of people, and and I'm saying that to say this. Some people are too empty minded, they're always sitting in judgment of others. That's what it boils Mm -hmm. down to. And it says, Judge not, lest you be judged. Mm -hmm. What right do I have to judge anybody Mm when I'm made from the same clay that you are? It's only God that is able to sit in the judgment seat. And the thing about it, if you put yourself in the seat of God and pump yourself up, then God is going to have to bring you back down to earth. Mm -hmm. You can't sit there and judge somebody. You don't know how they got to be. Where they ended up Just like the guy Told me down At Union uh, union rescue mission Everybody thinks We're drug addicts And alcoholics mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And there were mm-hmm. churches That would
0: come down there And every Sunday They would preach Alcohol and drugs Alcohol and drugs mm-hmm.
1: you, know, it's so you know Not everybody
0: You know uh, Has ended up that way You know mm-hmm. So so the best answer I have is People that do Heavenly minded They're sitting at judges
1: Yes, yeah, they judge individuals and the judging now. I had to tell the therapist that today. A therapist texted me, I mean, he sent me an email and asked me a question. And I referred them back to their insurance um, provider. And they said, Well, I asked you a question. And you didn't answer my question. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> so I, I waited and I called the person. And the person told me, oh, emailed me about how rude I was, how un. Uh, I'm like, oh my God, man, man. So you know, and that's the thing is, one of the worst things that Christians can ever do is begin thinking their faith over their own personal private business. And what happens is sometimes people take it to a whole different extreme to where they just become like you said. And my thing with this person is, you don't want me to judge you, but you go judge me first. And so, and the best example,
0: that, the best example we have. Is Jesus himself. Let me read this right quick because I see we're running out of time. I know you talking about, uh, you talk too much today. I'm just getting even. <laughs> Hebrews, the fourth chapter, let's look at verses 14 and 15. It says, seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us so fast our confession. I like this part, 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize. With our weaknesses But when all point is tempted As we are yet without sin And that's the key word right there We do not have a high priest That cannot sympathize So if mm-hmm. Jesus is a high priest And can sympathize With those who Are weak Who are we not to sympathize And empathize With the people mm-hmm. who are weak
1: Mm-hmm. That is so true, and we gotta do better. We really gotta do better with how we treat individuals. We have to do better with individuals that are less fortunate than us. We have to do better with individuals that have disabilities that we don't have. We may not even be able to see their disability. We may not even understand their disability, but by that token, don't give us the right to mistreat individuals. And that's where a lot of individuals seeing it in church. I remember my daughter. She got to the point where she didn't like going to church with me because she'd be like, Mom, these even in your church at your church, they are not that friendly." <laughs> and I started seeing uh, it for myself, and I had to respect uh, that because she started seeing that she was like, "Wait a minute, I'm supposed to be a visitor, and if I'm a visitor, why are they treating visitors like this?" And sometimes people become yeah. territorial, you know. Now they say God is a jealous God, but that don't mean we have to be jealous believers. That don't mean that we have to want it all for ourselves. So we have to learn you how
0: to mess, balance things. You, you mess up and sit down and sister bed low seat <laughs> on Sunday morning <laughs> to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and don't don't park don't, don't <laughs> in Brother Jones. and park his face where he always park his car. You <laughs> jump <I> down and stop. Keep it
1: up. I'll tell you this. And like you said, people are watching. People are watching. So we just have to be mindful that we're going to be setting examples, and whether we are we're role modeling, whether we realize it or not. And some people will say, "Well, I didn't sign up for this. I'm a man. I'm a woman. I'm human. I make mistakes. We get that." But if we're trying to save souls and lead people to Christ, we got to be making sure that we're on the right journey ourselves. We really, yeah. Do. And take the time, and even if you don't know how to sympathize, learn how to empathize with individuals, that people don't want your pity. They don't want you to feel comfortable. Some individuals just want you to understand. So, again, don't be so heavenly minded you know, to you no earthly will. Balance it out. Just balance it out. So I apologize for the technicalities that we were having today with the Internet cutting us off. and. All of that, we still was able to discuss the show in regards to the topic, in regards to being heavily minded, but no earthly good. Reverend Mike Johnson, I want to thank you for joining us. I appreciate you. Now I got to get back to work. So I will chat with you later. And you guys have a blessed day. And again, thank you for joining us here at Country for the Dickiness Vlogs. Until next week, remember, you got this. Be safe. Stay free of COVID. Stay free of up. Mike, I know that they got kids going back to school now, and you um, definitely got to be straight up. Okay? So All right. Next week. Okay, bye-bye.
0: Okay, see you next